Hey, what's up, guys? We have an awesome podcast this week. Earlier this year, James and I had the opportunity to interview Amy Kudelka. She's an amazing designer that has worked in the toy industry and met James at Lifetime Brands, and she tells her story from finding out what design is to becoming a senior VP. So it's a great podcast. I think you'll enjoy it. Also, a few promotional things. We always like to thank our partner, Let's Design Daily. They're always posting amazing work on Instagram from designers across the world. So check them out. Give them a follow. And we'd also like to promote IDSA's International Design Conference. It'll be virtual this year. It'll be a 24-hour live stream happening September 17th and 18th. There's going to be some awesome presenters like Ariel, the founder of Slash Objects, which is a really cool houseware and furniture design studio. And I got a shout out my professors, John McCabe and Owen Foster, they'll be presenting too, along with some all amazing designers. So there'll be panel discussions, workshops, virtual studio tours, and you can network from designers across the world, just on your couch or in, in your office. So make sure you register at internationaldesignconference.com. And you guys know the rest of the deal. I mean, the Discord, that's where the, the, the party's at. You gotta join. You gotta join. Just give it a shot. Um, like, subscribe on YouTube. Give us that follow on Spotify, that five stars on Apple Podcast. And shout out to Kiyoshi the Kid for that amazing intro and outro, as always. All right, guys, that's enough of me. Let's get to it. I'm Nick. I'm James. And I'm Amy. And we are three designers in the big city. Sweating the small stuff. <laughs> we are excited to have Amy Kadelka on the podcast this week. Uh, she is an SVP of product development and brands at Silvergate Media. She's also an adjunct faculty instructor at FIT for their toy design program. And she is a ray of sunlight. Welcome, wow. Amy Kadelka. Thank you very <laughs> much, so much. Thank you. This um, is a, wow. also a beautiful office. Oh, yeah. This is actually our new podcasting studio. Oh, Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. We've got easels to put all your TVs on. Yeah. Come and uh, get them. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're, we're really excited. I, ba a little bit of background. I worked with Amy at Lifetime Brands. Correct. Um, we designed kitchen tools and gadgets. Not together, but in tandem. We should have. Yeah. It would have been insane. Yeah. yeah. We, I, I don't know what would have happened to the kitchen gear. <laughs> but for better or for worse, we did not work together on any kitchen items, but... Um, it was such a delight working with her, and I am so happy to have her on the podcast because I think Amy brings this point of view about, especially in regards to toy design, that we haven't really explored in the podcast yet. Definitely, yeah. So, welcome, Amy. Like a, yeah, thank you. It's yeah. kind of like toy design is like an unsung hero in industrial design, or yeah. at least I feel like that. Yeah. Like... When I went to industrial design school, it was like, I didn't even know you could do it. No one really talks about it. Or it's kind of like, it's not really seen, in my yeah. opinion, like like industrial design, but it totally is. Yeah. So I'm hoping there'll be like young designer, somebody watching this will see this and be like, oh, I could do that. Right. 
Well, I think I think part of that is because like toy design almost runs. It doesn't. I mean, it, it almost feels like it runs counter to what is preached at design school, which is all of this like form follows function right. kind of thing. And toy design, <laughs> it's not that it's not functional. It's just that yeah. the function isn't necessarily obvious, but it's also, you know, it's so, it's so illustration based and like whimsical and mm -hmm. things that like, yeah, I mean, to design something like what's behind you right now, Amy, which you did at, did you do that at Fisher Price? Correct. Yes. Um, you know, it's like this is this is based in like w a world. It's almost yeah. closer to like concept art than industrial design in a lot of ways. Am I wrong? Yeah, and it's actually a big responsibility. Um, well, designing for kids, in my opinion, is a, is a big responsibility. You have to really love it. You have to really um, you take that on and do it right. But but doing something to match a show is like whole like next level because yeah. you're gonna have millions of people children, little people <laughs> playing with this and they're going to expect the details, the play patterns, the characters, the colors to match what they saw. Right. And you wanna try to mimic like what they might play out at home while still under the the cost constraints you are going to have when you deal with big retailers. So there's there's a lot to put together there. But yeah, like following, making sure you follow everything. A kid is playing with the toys they expect from the show. Yeah. You can't give them something that doesn't match because they're going to get frustrated and they're not going to want to do it. Right. Yeah. So what I'm super curious about is your journey to this point. I mean, we always kind of cover this with the designers who come on. It's like, we just want to understand, like, how did you get interested in design one and then toy design beyond that? And uh, yeah, so where did it all begin for you in terms of just design? Because at first you went to school for industrial design, right? Correct. And it actually started <clears throat> way before that. It started in like high school. When yeah. I went to an art high school called Beale Art. In, uh, I'm Canadian in oh. uh, London, Ontario, yeah. Canada. So shout out Beale Art. I love that school. <laughs> I love Wait, that, that, that school. You said that was a... It's uh, an art high school. High school. Okay. And like oh. the kids go and like have like half day art while they finish up all their other Where stuff. Where is this high school? I want to go to this high school. It's amazing. If I ever become a multimillionaire and I'm making this promise on camera, I'm going to like <laughs> buy that school or give you guys money. Not that you need it because the Canadian government's amazing yeah. and like funds all this stuff. But there'd be like half day art programs where you would go. And so they had like, woo. So they had like all these different foundation courses like photography, sculpture, textiles, printmaking, uh, animation, graphic design, painting. Every single foundation you would get in like a first year of like college. That's amazing. So I did that for half days for two years. And then I did my last year. I stayed like a year longer, did full day art. So you pick two studios that you want to specialize in. And I picked graphic design and painting. Mm. Um, and at the time, I had gone and applied to go to Sheridan College, which is an illustration school in Oakville, Ontario. And I went with like all my friends in the car. We showed our portfolios. It was like five of us. The day comes, you know, the day comes when you get your letter right, from yeah. your college. Uh -huh. And you're like, oh, my gosh, like, did I get in? This was over emails at this time. Yeah. And everybody got in but me. <gasps> oh, no. By the way, any young designers watching, you're going to fail over and over and over and over and over, <laughs> and over again. If 
And look at me now. <laughs> look at you. And look where, at you. And where are they? Well, <laughs> we don't have. I'm to. here. I don't know where the rest of them are. But listen, you could. Okay. Anyway. Oh, man. All your friends got in except for you. That's uh, all my friends, and we were really close. And like, I drove. I was the one who drove the car to the interviews. I was like the the big cheerleader for everybody. Yeah. Didn't get in. Oh. So I was like totally deflated. Deflated. I remember this moment. You will have moments you remember. I'm sure you guys too. Went into the library in this part of the art school, sat down, and this one teacher came down, sat next to me. She's like, uh, are you okay? And I was like, man, you know, all these people got in. I didn't get in. She looks at me and she goes, well, of course not, because you're a designer. Mm. She stood up. She walked out of the room. Like, it was like. <laughs> this is like a magical person. It like, really, just... really was. She really... was never seen again. <laughs> or or before that, either. It was just, she was just the she spirit wasn't even of the real. School. I can't make this up. Yeah. And and I was just like, oh my God. I had actually applied to Humber College in Toronto, which is an industrial design. They have an industrial design program concurrently because my brother's a mechanical engineer. Mm. And I was like, oh, you know, like I'll just apply to this too. And then I ended up getting into that. Nice. And it just. Listen, it just, it was meant to happen. Like, I mean, I was just never meant to be an illustrator. So that's where it started. That's crazy. So do you have any thoughts of like, what made you a designer versus an illustrator? I mean, if I could ask that magical, <laughs> mystical being, what the hell? I don't know. I Were think... you like a more systematic thinker or like, was there? More of a 3D like, thinker. Or, oh yeah. I think, like making a I lot think. more models and things I like think. that. Yeah, um, and a bit more graphic and 3D. Yeah. Whereas the illustrators and all the people got in were very 2D oriented, like yeah. great painters, great illust like taking a person and illustrating right. them. And I was always kind of putting, making everything a bit chunkier, a bit more full, mm. a bit more three dimensional. Mm. And I think that's maybe where, but I don't know where she <laughs> is. But I mean, yes. I, that's my if guess. If you're still out there, right <laughs> into minor details. I could send this to them. Yeah, for sure. And find out. <laughs> and I'm sorry I forgot your name and that you were alive. Um, so you went into, this was a very, this was a traditional industrial design program that you yes. went into. Yes. And, and how was that? What was that like for you? It was interesting. I was, I was always on the bottom half. Yeah. Lower. <laughs> bottom. <laughs> um, it was primarily men. Yeah. Back then, there was like, I think like three girls and there was like 20 guys, five guys. Yeah. So that was interesting. I mean, I don't really care about that. But just setting the stage. Right. Um, that is known to happen. Not as much anymore. Right. In design. But back when I went to school 2003, it was kind of like that. Yeah. I was always in the bottom. I always felt like I couldn't find my style or whatever. Mm. Like everyone was into their sweeps because it was a lot of automotive. You know the type. Yeah. You know the thing. If you're listening to this, you know automotive. You know who you are. <laughs> you're, you're them. And automotive and the sweeps. Yeah. And um, consumer electronics and, yeah. the, and right. a lot of the people doing the car designs and the, even For the sure. dudes doing the clay of the cars oh, yeah. in oh. the thesis year. Yeah, just yeah. doing. Yeah. 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 And I just couldn't into my thesis here, I was like, I don't know, man, like I'm doing it, but I don't know if I found it. Mm -hmm. And then one day I sat at home with Sharpies and I just started drawing and I was like, oh my God, I should draw a toy. And it, it just, I just, it, it happened mm. like another magical, but there wasn't, that woman wasn't there again, but it was. <laughs> she was very small, apparently, <laughs> from what you just gestured. <laughs> We're very far away. 
um, and it was just a moment with Sharpies. And I, yeah. I, and then I went into class and I said, I want to do a toy for my thesis. And nobody was doing that, obviously. Nice. Well, yeah. and they were like, yeah, okay. And yeah. then I did it. I found it. I yeah. found where I needed to be. And I ended up winning three design awards. What? No, more than anyone in my school. And, um, one of the only women to ever do that out of those design awards at the time. Yeah. So it was just, I found it. What that was amazing. What I was the toy? It. Yeah, what was it? What was the toy? Uh, it's called Yams. Yeah. It is a foam building set. So it's like Lego, but they're these giant foam uh, pieces that all go together with like pool noodles. And mm. you can build forts, costumes, cool. all kinds of cool. shit. And yeah. can it be found on the internet? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It, it was we on can, my core flop, but I'll, I think I might I'll take have, a like, look. Oh, man, core flop. Those are the old days. And I have a patent on it. I feel like um, I haven't checked my core flop forever. This is going to be hilarious. Uh, we, can, we, can, we can always Y-A-M-S post a photo too. Yams. Let's see. Oh, my Ho- gosh. Don't focus on this. Hopefully nothing <laughs> X-rated. So, oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Oh, boy. Well, do I sit like that? Oh, there it is. <laughs> that, that's what I... Had, that's the toy. Yeah. We just that's pulled up the toy. Some right there. guy playing piano. I'm not I sure. I have a patent yeah, on that. Patentable. Oh, no. This is what you can do with it. I mean, you I put it, it on your head and then you shove your head <laughs> into another oh, human anyway. and you shove. <laughs> but that's, that is awesome. That's such a great story. Because I, I imagine that there's a lot of people in school. I mean, I felt similarly of like, what... What is my what is my voice? What's my niche yeah. here? How do I stand out from the pack? Did you go through a car phase? I never went through a car phase. I had, so I had like my, me. I had my you had the car phase. Yeah, I had a car phase. Really, mm-hmm. really early on, and then it yeah. died out quickly. I was like, this is not going to work. <laughs> I feel like you could have been a toy designer. Yeah, I mean, I went Where into it. My intention was like my interest in design came from toys to begin with, and which makes me curious, like. Was was there already an interest in toys that you had that you just hadn't made that association with, or was this like sort of like a new, like a, you just sort of like stumbled on this idea yeah. of oh toys? Yes, like, the latter. Yeah. Like it wasn't like I love toys so much. Yeah. Um. It just it's so crazy how life just does that sometimes. It yeah. just sat down with the sharpie and started, and it. I never was able to just have products come off my hand, yeah. like drawing them, and yeah. in that maybe it was the medium of the sharpie. Mm. I don't know. It was just like it just started coming out, and I was like, yeah. okay, well, I, I found what I need to do. Right. It was great. Well, it, from the way that you described the like the the types of things that you were drawing, like in the illustration style, like these thick, chunky, like. It, that sounds like the Sharpie would lend itself well to that. Yes. And then toys, of course, would lend themselves well to that. Yeah. So I, Sorry, I was just laughing because I was thinking about life drawing class. <laughs> Did you do? And every, like, I would draw the roles oh, on the people. yeah. So I would just focus on the roles oh, and, bitch. like, not any more of their body. Just, like, the, just the roles. If they had, you know, and I was just like, I couldn't figure it out, man. Yeah. I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. And then I figured it out. That woman was, saw the roles and was like, you should be a designer. <laughs> it's clear. It's clear. Oh, man. Um, so you you got this award, which is incredible. That's amazing. And then you went on to to do what after school? So after school, you know, won all these awards. And I was like, oh, I should get a phone call. Someone's going to call me. No one called me. <laughs> 
<laughs> and um, I knew this one guy, Paul Reynolds, who I'm calling out because I love him. Hi, Paul. Um, and he works at Spin Master Toys in Toronto. And he had me come in and I contracted there for a while. But I really needed to focus just on toy design because it's a totally different discipline. Like, I feel like going into industrial design school is a good uh, foundation for product. But if you want to get into toy, I feel like unless you can get a spat in a, in a company that's going to teach you, you really need that extra layer of just focusing on that. Um, so I found this book called The Toy and Inventors um, Handbook, I believe it's called. Mm. And there was a foreword in it by Judy Ellis, who is the dean of the toy design department. Mm. And I was like, oh, my God, they have these schools. I called her up. I got an appointment to see her like the next week, drove all night from Toronto to New York, showed up at her office. And she's like, just come here. Like, yeah. just just come here. Yeah. So um, while I was waiting to get in, I was going to U of T and taking like other classes, supplemental classes. Um, I like worked at a place making ATM machines and pin pads. Nice. You were making them or you were designing I'm them? I'm sorry, designing them. <laughs> okay. I'm making sure. them by hand. <laughs> I, was, I was like a warehouse manager, like going around on a forklift with all these like disgruntled old dudes. And it was just me on like the forklift. I knew I was getting out of there. Like I knew yeah. I wasn't going to stay there. So yeah. I was just like, this is a means to an end. I'm going to be in this forklift right now. Um, See you later, guys. And you drove <laughs> off in the forklift. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much yeah they were bad i left um but doing that for a while so i got some like technical stuff and then went yeah. on to new york yeah and the toy design program because i'm somewhat familiar with the program this is a fit fit well it's you a, taught there as I, well well only because you recommended me for of course the, for they the would. Job. Of course. so i yeah i taught a cad a cad class for the toy design program um they haven't let me back since <laughs> uh, <laughs> But, I know nothing of this. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I, I started off my first class. I was like, toys are ridiculous <laughs> and for children. We won't, we'll be designing ATM machines. Oh, no. <laughs> and pin pads. <laughs> uh, but, um, but yeah, it's a two-year program, right? It's, Correct. It's because uh, I know, I, I feel like a, there are some people that are coming back for sort of continued education, but there's also people that have like two years illustration associates degrees yes. the, yeah the way i kind of look at the program and the people that go in it is i i look at it this way that there are the people who are the industrial designers mm -hmm. like the product designers who have that design background already for product and they want to get the skinning of the toy design on top of it which is where i put myself into that bucket yeah and then there are the people who are illustrators yeah who love illustration but want to move into toy design yeah and i think of them as two totally separate ways of thinking right. and different designers or yeah. when they end up designers because it it does kind of change the way you design are you character first focused are yeah. you illustrative mm. first focused or right. are you more product i know you said uh form before function but like are yeah. you i'm more of a form designer before illustrator mm. yeah yeah that's yeah that's so did you find that in that type of program where you have like and now that you're teaching there, it's interesting to to think about that there are these people with industrial design backgrounds and then illustrator. Mm -hmm. Do you find that 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 like those students end up 
like bolstering each other? Like, is there, is there, what is that relationship like as like oh. peers? Oh, it's fine. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's great. No, yeah. every, if you go into toy design, if you go into that program, I don't know what the, like the one is in Otis in LA. There's another mm. one, which the FIT one was first, by the way. <laughs> um, I won't tell them. Just saying. But if you go into toy design, regardless, I feel like, like I started at saying it is a great responsibility. Mm. Like you have to take it really seriously. you give seriously. them the Uncle Ben speech? Spider-Man with great power comes great oh, responsibility. <laughs> and then you like it's shoot true. a web and jump out the window. I know it's true. We're thinking toys, who cares, whatever. But yeah. it's a big responsibility. Like you're sure. helping people form who they are as like humans. Yeah. And their safety is at risk. So they put everything in their mouth. Yeah. Like everything. <laughs> like yeah. I have a three-year-old and it's like, I know it now. Yeah. Um, I am I am curious you brought up this term play patterns that I that I've heard you say and I've heard you know people in the program say I wasn't familiar with it and I don't know that our listeners would be so could you could you expand on that I will do my best I'm not a child psychologist but (laughs) but that does come into play here Um, different uh, age children you're the best (laughs) I love I love James Um, but different children of different ages like all children play in a similar way at a, a certain age. So the way that a 18 month old is plays is going to be much different than a four year old plays. And that's where we kind of put buckets of play patterns. Mm. So an 18 month old, we know that they're going to put everything in their mouth still. Um, we know that they're just starting to walk, so they have more mobility. Um, we know that when little kids play at that age, it's kind of like imagine putting oven mitts on your hands and trying to do anything. Mm-hmm. That's how they feel, and I that's see. why everything's bigger and chunkier, um, and also so they don't eat it and swallow it. A four-year-old is going to play much differently. They're more into imaginative play. They can make up things. There's scenarios that are happening. They can deal with smaller pieces. Their dexterity is better. So you just kind of choose play patterns based on the age of the child to um, help with designing the toy. So for this one, for instance, this is three plus. So a lot of the reasons we say three plus is because when you say that on the packaging, you can have small pieces. Um, Like this little piece here, you probably can't see it too well, but it's like a rope. And then there's a little piece, a little pulley. If that came off, like an 18-month-year-old might be able to choke on that. But if you say three plus, it's like they're not as they're not as often to eat stuff at that age. Mm. So you can have small parts, and that's going to denote the pieces, the way you play, the hand dexterity needed to pull this down to move that up. Yeah, you need to be at least three to do that. Um, so yeah, that's what we mean by play patterns. Yeah, that's that's cool. Yeah, I remember doing a little bit of research. We actually, we just interviewed Julia Troy, who was a senior industrial designer at Quirky when I was there. Oh, nice. And she also had some background in toy. And she, after a catastrophic meeting I had when I was like, (laughs) like going over toy concepts, she, she was like, you need to learn a lot more about toys and Mm. like steered me towards some stuff about play pattern, which like, well, now I'm remembering that like all this, all of these things that I yeah. had learned. Yeah, this is all that. new to me. I, I mean, I've never done a kid's toy or anything. Yeah, but, but I mean, it's it's. It, I mean, dogs <laughs> certainly have play I mean, patterns. They he's do. not wrong. It is true. I guess you know some dogs can chew are big chewers and things. So I guess it kind of can cross over a little. bit. You could argue that an eight month old is similar to a dog's play pattern. <laughs> we we actually you could. We, uh, 
Yeah, we did have like the choke vial things. Yeah. yeah. Yes. That we they were not made for pets. It was made it was the kids choke vial, but we uh-huh. always tested all the dog toys with. Mm. Yeah, they're the like kids. these little they look like shot glasses. Yeah. And it kind of it kind of emulates the throat right. yeah. size and length of a child's. Yeah. Before three. Every child yeah. has a shot glass in their throat. Shot, shot, shots. That's what toy designers take shots on those things. That's what we do. Like, the party. But, um, so, uh, you went through this program, and, I mean, was this, going through this program, like, did you feel like this is, like, this is where I was always meant to be? Like, were there, were there, what was your emotion of, like, going through this, this type of specialized program? my emotions yeah um but seriously i i was so hungry for it i was like a rabid dog like i could not wait to get in there and just destroy everything as far as like just being fucking awesome and it's a really intense program right it's insane like (laughs) that's what i was trying to say before is like the responsibility of designing for kids but you have to love it you have to eat it drink it sleep it poop it Everything, <laughs> everything out of you and into you is toy design for two years. Yeah. Um, there is a break in the middle. You do get an internship. Everyone mm, gets mm. an internship. It's given to you by the dean. She talks to toy companies and gets you in the door. She's wow. very involved with her students. Like, she's amazing. Um, so you do get an internship and you have that break. But even during your internship, you get to learn actually in the real world, a toy design company, but you're also like, getting assignments at the same time. So, mm. you know. But you have to give up two years of your life, but it's so worth it if you love kids and you love toys and you want to be a toy designer. Where, do did, where did you intern? Uh, Fisher Price in okay. Buffalo. Very cool. Nice. Yes. yes. Um, and you guys you guys do like, there's like plush toy mm-hmm. and then there's hard toy. Because like plush, like, you know, I, I would not know where to begin when it comes to plush. Yeah. I, I, I guess I've seen people design for plush and it's a lot of like designing some like doing illustrations of like the different views of the characters but you were actually making them as well right yeah we actually that school has a lab which i don't even know if otis has this but i have no i'm not getting <laughs> paid by fit i'm not <laughs> I, I'm, i don't I'll, know anything about otis and, i'm sorry investigate this otis <laughs> I don't know anything about them, but I don't know if they have a... Do a, your teams play each other at the plush bowl? Like, this is a good idea. And you bring your own samples yeah. that you like create. <laughs> um, but yeah, they have a plush lab. And um, the professor, she's amazing, Sarah Burnett, um, currently the professor. But yeah, you have a plush lab where you actually, you do, you do turnarounds of the characters. So say say you were doing this little guy in plush, which I have done. This little, little, little cat. This is quasi the cat from Octonauts, um, you would do like turnarounds. So front, side, back, other side, possibly top, mm-hmm. and then a three quarter. And then from usually blue pencils, what all toy designers drawn. Oh, pencil. that's interesting. Okay. Hmm. It came from like non photo blue and animators use the non photo oh, blue. Yeah. And then okay. it kind of, because they do a lot of character designs, then led itself into toy design as being the primary right. yeah. kind of color for pencil. Um, but yeah, and then you go into creating patterns. So you're, it's kind of like fashion design because mm. you're dealing with fabrics and pattern making, but you're making a three-dimensional thing. It is so niche. Yeah. It is so rare to find people who do that. Mm. And a lot of the knowledge for that has been like been sent over to China at like factories that right. do it now. And they're such experts at it. 
Um, so not a lot of people here do it. There's yeah. very few. And they also do doll clothes. So you can work on like fashion stuff for like fashion dolls and Barbie. But yeah, they, they have a whole plush lab there. And you actually make your own creation in, in the, uh, the studio. That's sweet. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty insane. Yeah. Actually. So moving, moving forward to first job. Yeah, that's always a big question for our listeners is, you know, we have a lot of student listeners. It's like, how do you get that first job? And like, what was that like? Okay, so, well, the first job was the pin pads and ATM machines. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, that doesn't really count because I went back to school again. That was after FIT? Oh, no, that That was was after Humber College. It It was a means to an end. Take that. (laughs) Pin pad company. (laughs) Uh, But the first job, well, oh my God. So I, I don't know if, if anyone's from my class is watching this, this will be news to them. But like, I ended up getting the job like two months before I graduated oh. because what happens is a lot of the professors at FIT work at Fisher Price. Oh. Like my teachers were like the directors oh, okay. and the VP. So they were like kind of scouted, I guess. And they, they gave me the job. And I wasn't supposed to tell anyone because then it would be like, you know, unfair, like horrible, oh, like yeah. competitive or whatever. So I, I got the job while I was in school. So I was like, thank God. Like, I don't have to go back to Canada with nothing. I, yeah. I can stay. I can work. I can be at Fisher Price. It was like a dream. Right. Um. So I was lucky. I was lucky. I also worked hard, but I, I was lucky to get that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really awesome. Yeah, tell, tell us about your time at Fisher Price. Were there any, like, notable projects that you worked on that you remember? And- yeah. I would say, like, you had a little screen of, like, all of these, but, like, so Octonauts, um, okay, so when I first started there, I worked on Dory the Explorer. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Show? Swiper, yeah. no swiping. Yeah. Swiper. Um, so I worked on that show, and I was, like, super bored because it was, like, dolls. And I was, like, this is not who I am. Like, was I this don't... plush dolls or this is, like, sculpted? Plastic dolls okay. with, like, hair. And I would just okay. spend a lot of time styling hair or doing outfits. I did some doll houses, which were cool, but it just wasn't feeling it. And then what happened was this book came in. Because so what happened to Fisher Price in New York City is that it's all licensed product. So uh, broadcasters will come in and say, oh, this new show is going to be on Nickelodeon. Here's the style guide. Here's the style Bible that this is what the show is about. Right. Here's when it's going to be on broadcast. Would you like to create a product line to go with this? to go with this property mm. so in the so in that that's how we got things like you know dora or thomas or well thomas was different but other properties so what happened was octonauts was actually original originally an illustrated book by this couple miomi uh, michael murphy and vicky wong out of uh, canada and la mm. and it was uh illustrated by them and it came in the door and they were like, oh, is this going to be on the BBC? It's going to be a show called The Octonauts. And I saw it, like, out of the corner of my eye. And I just, like, freaked out. And I'm like, I have to work on this. Yeah. And I literally followed the VP out of the office walking down the street. And he's like, I'm going to the train. I'm like, I don't care. I have to work on this. But, Amy, I don't care. I have to. So, like I said, it's so important to be annoying. Oh, no. Be... Is that what we're doing? <laughs> yes, it's worked for me. Look where I am again. But no, really passion, showing you really care. And eventually yeah. he was just like, okay, I can tell you really want to work on this brand. You love the style. You love the artist. Do it. Yeah. And I worked on that brand for five years, which eventually led to where I am now. But I did hundreds. I did all of the Octonauts products. Mm. And that is my most, I would say it's not one product I did, but it's my most, um, to my heart, important project. Because I got, the thing is, is, 
it's about creating a system. So you're not just creating one toy and it goes out into the world. Right. Everything works together. So yeah. all the figures fit all the vehicles and all the tools and gadgets go in all of them and they connect and they interact and they're all the same scale. So when the kid plays with an Octonauts toy in the world, all the scale's the same. It's like you get a quasi figure, which is one of the characters that's this big and next year it's that big and it's consistent mm, and right. it's a world. And I love building worlds. Yeah. Did you start that project with that system-like mindset? Because I feel like certainly, you know, doing all the characters and things is is a task. But I think when I think about these systems, it feels like a much larger task to go in knowing that it's going to be a system. And right. like, you have to make that first system correct so that it is so the foundation so solid to continue. Like, yeah. how, how did you go through that process? Well, it's exactly what I did. As I when when we first got the show in, the kind of the way the shows would come in for Fisher Price is it would be like, oh, this will be on for two years. Oh, this will be on for one year. So we'll just come up with a couple product lines. Right. This was looked at like that, and it's still, by the way, on on TV. Um. So, but I didn't. I really felt like this could be more and more like the Imaginex product line at Fisher Price. I don't know if you know anything about it. It's amazing. So when I started doing this, I really thought of it as I'm going to create every character and every vehicle and everything's going to work with all the other ones because I saw it. It's weird. It's like you just sometimes see something in your head mm -hmm. and I'm just going to do it. And, and I didn't ask uh, also another bit of advice. Never ask for permission, beg for forgiveness. <laughs> That's good advice. You that. have to, because if you don't, you will never get awesome shit done. Um, and I just said, I'm going to just think in my head, this is going to go on for 10 years as it has and create it that way. So any future designer, if I'm not here, follows that, that same programmed thing. So everything connects it's like Lego. It's right. like building a system. Right. Yeah. No, but it seems it does seem like a very intense undertaking and I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of times at the beginning of projects like people will have that kind of aspiration in mind but then you realize how much of a task it will be right mm -hmm. and you're like well that doesn't seem worth it because it's so hard to future proof a system yeah you know like what happens if there's a new character or something and it's like oh you know, how does that work? Well, you just figure it out. But yeah. I, I honestly believe that you need to do the really hard work up front. Right. right. Like even if you're handing it off to someone else, like get in there, man. Right. Like get it right because Yeah. It also makes I feel like it makes the the job of any designer who has to like pick it up much easier. And yeah, much, much easier. Like having having any sort of guidance for for a designer down the road who's like, you know, like, I imagine, did you create, I, I might have missed you saying this, but did you create some sort of, like, guide for, for like, building the system? Um, I mean, there wasn't really a guide needed just because it was inherent in, like, I had already done, like, four years of product. So mm. every single product had the same size figure and mm. uh, the same size holes in the hands and the feet. Yeah. Um, everything kind of already was set up within four lines. And I just right. assumed if you were going to go in there and not have it line up, like, that would be just really right. stupid. <laughs> like, it just wouldn't... Yeah. It would be like if you worked at KitchenAid and you're like, oh, well, we have the mixer. I'm going to make a bowl that doesn't fit because I'm here now. Like, it's stupid. It's stupid. That makes that makes perfect <laughs> <For> sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so how did you go from uh, Fisher-Price to the next thing? Or, or what were some of the big takeaways from Fisher-Price moving 
Fisher Price was awesome. I was so lucky to work there. I'm not getting paid by Fisher Price. <laughs> I was so lucky to work there. Um, I learned a lot because they let their designers work on like shit tons of product at once. So mm. you're thrown into the fire and you're just like, all right, let's do this. You yeah. know what I mean? So I learned how to multitask. I learned how to be a self-starter. I learned leadership qualities. I learned just how to have opportunity to have a lot of stuff to work on and to say that it's yours. That yeah. was awesome. Um, and I left and I went to, I don't know, I'm going to mention this place. I left and went to another place for like five months and it was a shit show. Realized it within the second week and then like, okay, I'm not going to be here anymore. Yeah. And then I went on to work at Lifetime Brands with this fine gentleman right here. Ah, uh, mm. yes. Lifetime Brands. <laughs> fine, fine gentleman. Um, so yes, yeah, so I worked there two years at Lifetime and it was kind of cool because if you really think about kitchen tools, like they're just toys for adults. Yeah. That's all they are. I think, I think <laughs> the thing, the thing that struck me about when Amy came in to Lifetime Brands was like, I feel like I had a very particular and, and maybe my sketching style is, is just like a little bit different. In, in some ways, I, I feel like I see a lot of people who sketch in a way that seems very systematized and seems very like logical and sort of building things right. yeah. from the ground up. And I feel like I get so loose so quickly. And I and I was always like, is you know, like is this the way that I should be sketching? And I would see the other other ways. And mm -hmm. I feel like when Amy came in, it was a huge comfort to me. Like, first of all, I was just like, oh, my gosh, these these sketches are incredible. Like whatever, you know, wow. whatever that she would be sketching on her desk. But it was also like for me, reinforcement that like, oh, there's not just like one way that you can address a design problem or even just like sketching in itself. So it's like, because so I feel like you brought like, was there really much difference in the way that you were sketching at Lifetime Brands than the way that you would be sketching at Fisher Price? No, no difference whatsoever. Yeah. It's a playfulness in the lion that you just kind of have. That's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. I feel like you have that. Mm -hmm. And it's so true that, like, that uh, insecurity of, like, I'm not sketching like everyone else. Yeah. I don't right. fit into this equation. And then finding, for me, that it was toy design that I found my home in. But right. you have that same thing. Yeah. But, I mean, you can do anything, obviously. James is, like, one of the best sketchers he, that I know. I'm serious. He is. He is. I'm not and just... And it's, it's so funny. I'm serious. <laughs> because a lot of the stuff that you post, James, is is very quick and iterative, which yeah. is also a whole other great thing. But, yeah. like, if you scroll back, like, all the way back to, like, some of James's early projects, those sketches are... <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> what? So they got worse? What are you saying? Well, you know, well, you, you ever see like the, uh, the the life cycle of a designer where like you know you start out being a student and you're like kind of like learning yeah. and then eventually you're a junior designer and you're you're pretty good and senior designers like oh wow this is great and then you start being a manager and then a yeah. bigger and bigger designer and then there's just, just nothing. Like, there's just, just no thumbnails. sketches. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have like you know I, I I don't want to make this segment about me. I but, do. But but, uh, but no, there's there's just always been this desire for me to like to be as loose as possible and to be as yeah because I just like I don't I don't necessarily like getting so tight 
with my lines and I feel like especially in the iterative process like all I want to be doing is just like the loosest thing because I feel yeah. like that's how you're also thinking about the ideas as you're making them oh that's a good but, analogy but uh, I totally agree <laughs> no I totally agree and you have that about your sketching and it's just I think it'll also be good for some people to hear who are like junior designers or whatever yeah. that it's okay right. for you not to match the rest of everybody as long as you're good like yeah. if you as just long suck as it then it's not okay as long as it communicates, yes. then you're fine. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing to like to do the different types of sketching that you see. Because at Lifetime Brands, there was a lot of like orthographic sketching, which, which is, I wasn't accustomed to. I do that but, a lot. Yeah. I do it a lot, but in my style, because I feel like before I do the three quarter, I want to figure out what this thing mm. is. And for me, the way I think, and everyone thinks differently, is I think of everything in the orthographic. In my mind, it's in like a cube yeah. and I'm like moving it mm. to the different views. And so I do that first and I use like the, you know, the source lines yeah. to kind of, okay, well, if that draft is here, then it's going to be up here. So I do that first and then I, sometimes I don't even do a three quarter, mm. depending on what's going on. I might just go to 3D, but I think that's the most important. For, that's how I work. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. That's interesting. Was that always the case when you started sketching or was it like, was it a way you were taught? I know in the toy design program, like with, there is a lot of orthographic exploration. Yeah, yeah. Um, is it the way that I... I just, I think actually it's probably from doing drafting classes and oh, seeing yeah. and learning about, oh, this is what drafting is and actually doing it on the vellum with the triangles and all that shit. <laughs> like that's how I like learned. Um, I just found it to be really useful for me yeah. to then do that, to understand the object and then be able to make it a three quarter. It's everyone just, it's all yeah. about your brain is wired, man. It's, yeah. it's great. We're all so different that way. Yeah. Yeah. So you came from doing toys into this kitchen stuff at Lifetime. Yeah. Did you, you know, hearing you talk, it feels like you love toys. And so I'm curious how you felt moving over into more consumer products, more kitchenware. Yeah. It's actually interesting. Like I love toys, but I needed a break. Okay. Mm. Um, and that's okay to say I need a break from this. And as an industrial designer, what's so great about it is you can do anything. Right. You could do any kind of product you want. Um, luckily I just got someone in, in, in a kitchen to take me on, but I really wanted to do kitchen tools for a long time. Mm. Um, but I did need a break and one of my friends called it, calls it my, uh, spatula sabbatical, <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> is so true. It, I mean, it was two years of just spatulas and dish racks and yeah. some other, some other really fun stuff. I got to sketch a lot yeah. there. Um, I, I know what you're saying, though. It's kind of a weird, but uh, but yeah, I'm glad I did it. I'm yeah. glad I did it. Were there any fun projects that you got to that you remember working on at Lifetime? This one dish rack I did. <laughs> I did do a lot of dish racks. I think uh, I'm not going to get into. It. I'm not going to talk about the dish racks. It's boring. But um, <laughs> I did this one sink. <laughs> Why not? I did a line of sink somebody out there is designing a dish rack. <laughs> and they're like, they're like, oh. that's terrible. <laughs> What's what is great about dish racks, Amy? It's that no one cares about them. Yeah, <laughs> so you can really care exactly. about them. You can really get into the details of the angle of the drainage, the tines, yeah. the angle of the tines. You can rethink the entire freaking thing. Yeah, you can think about people in apartments who don't have room for the huge, massive Williams-Sonoma pull-out thing. Yeah, you can really you can really think about it differently. So I tried to do that yeah. and I was pretty happy with the result. Yeah. Um, 
but the one one project I worked on was um, sink brushes. Oh yeah. I worked on a really great uh, line of sink brushes, which ended up being like this frosted white color, whatever. Yeah. But thinking about the way the the sink brush sits, or like how it like the water drips off it, or if the scrubber is attached, like little like things molded into the plastic to make it sit a certain way, or scrape yeah. things. Mm. It sounds so minutia, like when you well, say it out loud, but I know that's like. I mean, I, the thing that's interesting about sink brushes is, you know, for those of us that don't have a dishwasher, you have to use it every day. Yeah. And it's a, it's yes. a product that you actually are, are pretty intimate with. Like, yeah. you are using it. You realize all the flaws and everything okay. with it. Right. So, I mean, I'm, like, pretty critical about sink brushes. <laughs> well, the one that I made, I think you remember this. Because I think you were, I don't know, we were, like, sketching together yeah, at some point. Yeah, I, I was also, I think I was doing sink Did brushes. Did you do a brush? I, I don't think I don't think any of the ones that I did were ever made. Yeah. But I was I was doing it for a different brand, but I think we were doing it kind of at the same yeah, time. Yeah, and I loved sketching with you because you were just so fun. But mine was like instead of the sink brush laying down, it had like a if the bristles are this way, it's like a one with the handle. It had a little foot going the other way so that you could place it down and the handle up. Yeah. So that the bristles would drip down and then that little foot could be a scraper. Uh, yeah. So okay. it was kind of fun. It was different. Yeah. Fiber, I think Fiberware did it. It went to production. Fiber yeah, Wear. yeah. So. Um, yeah, did you work on... I, f I feel like... What, what were the brands that you worked on while you were there? Oh, I was really you... fortunate to work on a lot and a lot of stuff went through. Yeah. Uh, Williams-Sonoma, Farberware, KitchenAid, I did a little egg cracker, which was, which was a cool project. Um, Kizmos. Kitchen, KitchenAid egg cracker. KitchenAid I don't, I don't even cracker. know what an egg cracker is. What is an egg Well, cracker? it was really cool because it was like when you crack an egg... Like, you have to get that edge that's just oh, perfect yeah, to guy. stop the crack. Yeah. To stop the... Oh, my God. Look at that. Yeah. So, that's the one I designed. So, so I went through so many prototypes of different edges. Um, some that were, like, really sharp and then a curve. And then some that were totally filleted all the round. And some that were a double edge. Mm -hmm. And, like, all these different iterations to finally get to this. But it's, like, a fun little item because you can crack it. And then it also has an egg separator in the top. Yeah. And then it has a little measurement, but I, I thought it was really it's fun. It was, it was cute. I thought it was really cute, and I should have bought one. I should buy one now. Um, <laughs> you want me to put in? Add to cart. Add to my cart, please. <laughs> free one to three day shipping. <laughs> I will have it. Um, that was a good one. Yeah, I've never even thought about cracking eggs. It seems like it's it's one of one of these things that a, a product you never think about. It seems like such a scientific thing to yeah. crack an egg. I think I have a really it's, bad technique because I always get like like egg coming down on the side of the pan. The it's the not bowl. you. It's your tools. <laughs> Buy the egg I cracker. Need a <laughs> One to three day shipping. I am looking at this picture. There is a little double like lip there. Yeah. So that is to collect. Right. The side this of is, the drip. I'm forgetting look at, look this podcast is about friggin' details. Exactly. Right. Yeah, exactly. So there's That's a double the lip minor details. Um, to collect the runoff yeah. and yeah. any shells. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is an egg separator as well. Yeah. And it pours yeah. out really nice. That's awesome. That's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> but I really loved working on the kitchen stuff because it was just like, it felt the same. Mm. It felt the same as toys, but it gave me a break. Yeah. Right. And it gave me time to focus on details because when you're doing 100 products a year, you don't really focus on the details. Now, how do kitchenware designers compare to toy designers? Like was was this like <laughs> was this pretty toned toned back your sabbatical was it like sitting on the beach compared to like working? it was boring I I like, 
I have this impression, knowing you, that like everybody in toy design has the same like, you know, positive, like they're just full of energy, like, you know, there's just things flying around in the office all the time. <laughs> like people are squirting each other with like water. Try to find something like, to throw like, at you. Yeah, like flowers on their lapels or like squirting people in the faces at the end of meetings. No, it's no. not like that. I mean, it's not like that because I don't know. Okay, so I will say that the personality of toy designers, it varies because there are boring toy designers who are just managers that they've been doing it a long time mm. or they're just kind of disgruntled because yeah. the toy industry can be pretty vapid as far as like you're in, you're out, things are... I, I don't know mm. how to explain it. Mm. Um, but it, it's people, really. I would right. say... It's all different types of people as design toy designers, but there is probably more of a percentage of happy people because you have to love it right. to do it, or you suck and you just like get right. fired. <laughs> I mean, like I you're I not going to be around, right? It's pretty competitive. Um, it's really interesting. I really wish it wasn't. Um, I feel like it can be. Yeah. Mm. I feel like it can be. And like, oh, who, what company did they go to? Oh, did they get here? What's this oh. position? But that's like anything. Yeah, I yeah. feel like it's like sure. any industry is kind of like that because there's not a lot of toy companies and we all know each other and we all yeah. know each other too well. So mm. you have to be really careful. Right. You not, know? To, not to make a bad impression or, yeah, get a bad reputation. Get a bad review <laughs> <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> Um, but eventually the spatula sabbatical, it's so hard good. To, it's hard it's to, so good. It's hard to Hashtag say. Hashtag spatula sabbatical. Spatula, say it five times. That's a directive for the listeners. But, um, but yeah, so everybody's spatula sabbatical has to come to an end at some point. Yes. Correct. And, um, and and uh, what happened? What like what brought you out of the sabbatical? It actually involves a spatula, which is hilarious. I'm not making that up. <laughs> but it was like okay, so at Lifetime we had to get there at like eight a.m. Yeah, yeah. And we would all leave early because we all lived in the city, like Brooklyn. So we'd all try to get into Long Island early. Mm-hmm. So it was very early. I was... Speak for yourself. I came in at nine o'clock because they at one point they slacking. here we go You're here slacking. we go. At one point, they decided that if you wanted to come in at eight, you could leave at four, but you could also still come in. Come in. No, that happened while you were there. No, it did not. Yes, it did. But you couldn't take lunch then, maybe. And uh, I forget what it was, but then there was another thing where if you came in at nine, you could just leave at five. You know what? No, that happened after me. That happened after me. I never came in. I'm not an early bird. I am not either, but I. Okay. Well, whatever. Mr. Got favorite Set treatment. The record. Straight. Mr. Favorite treatment. <laughs> I don't remember that. Okay. Well, I would get it at like eight yeah. eight thirty. Yeah. And just to answer your question, so I woke up and I went to the uh, woke up. I went to work. I'm starting to like fade already. Okay. <laughs> so it's like eight thirty, and I go in the rapid prototype room, and I um I was taking out a spatula handle, and my phone went off, and I checked in my email, and mm. it was. Um, the CEO of my current company, uh, Lord Wahid, mm. who's actually a Lord in parliament. Oh, wow. He owns, um, well, he purchased Octonauts and Peter Rabbit and started his own company, which I currently work at called Silvergate. So this dude, like I worked with him when I left Fisher Price, and went out to lunch. He's like, you know, pretty important, big guy, CEO, whatever. And he actually, um, he's a Lord in Parliament in the UK and he created uh, Silvergate 
And he actually co-created Survivor, the TV show. Oh. Very interesting, very smart person. I'm huh. not just saying that because he's my boss, but it's true. <laughs> if he sees this, I guess there it is. But he had emailed me and he was just like in his email. His emails are very short because he does them all and he's very busy. And he's just like, Amy. Okay, so he's British. <laughs> Amy, if he's seeing this, I'm going to die. Would you like to come run my product development department? And that was it. And I just answered him back. Yes. Can I tell you how much money I want from you type thing? And I gave him a number and he said, okay, over email in like a day. And then I literally had the call with HR the next day and it quit. Yeah. I was just like, the money, listen, at a certain point when the money is at is a point where you know you can pay off your student loans faster, mm. I was a total jerk. I was just like, I quit. And then I just, the money I would have made in those two weeks, you know, because you're afraid of like, if I take this job, like, will I be there for a year? Will I be there for three years? Is this really going to last? And I was just like, that money in those two weeks could help pay off half my loan. Like, yeah, I'm just yeah, going to go. Sure. I'm sorry. For I'm sure. sorry. Yeah. But they were cool about it. And then I came over here to, to Silvergate. So that's, that's that transition. It was, like, pretty immediate. Came yeah. I mean, here. that's pretty impressive just to, like, get that email of, hey, do you just want to lead up the entire, like, <laughs> well, product seriously, development? <laughs> seriously. And I didn't know. This is hilarious. So I was a senior designer at Lifetime. And I did not know that it was going to be an SVP title until mm. I was like here for a week. Mm. And then I found out and I was like, holy <laughs> shit. You're just thinking, oh, no I've senior designer job. Imposter syndrome. Like, I should not be here. Mm. I should not be here. Mm. But if someone believes in you enough to give you that job, yeah. just go for it, man. Who cares? Right. Don't ask. Don't <laughs> ask. Just do it. Yeah. No, it was, a, it, was a sad, it was a sad day for Lifetime Brands, but it was... A happy day for Amy, I'm sure. But we I'm kept sure. in touch. And oh, look yeah. at us now. Look at us now. Hey. <laughs> no, you guys are fine. I do think, though, that it's always great to bring a toy designer into the mix, no matter what your your company does, because there's a certain outlook and a way of thinking that's totally yeah. different than so is good. it's not design thinking. It's toy design thinking. Like, they're, that's... What do you, you know, think? Cause, cause, oh, that could well, be a no, <laughs> because there's they always talk about design thinking and how design thinking can enhance your business. But you're even talking about like <laughs> toy design a, thinking, a more yeah. specific version of that, which is toy design thinking. Oh, I would man. say of just a playful person that totally yeah. comes in and breaks your spatulas off, <laughs> like just. Just just one person. You don't have to hire a bunch. I know it freaks people out, but yeah. very serious design firms sometimes. Like, loosen up. Bring one person who's going to just give you a totally different perspective because, like, it's good. It's yeah. it's good the, to do that. Yeah. yeah. No, you think you're just going to relax on your spatula sabbatical <laughs> and then a toy designer comes in. Whoa! <laughs> so flips it. I'm actually pretty interested in this now, Amy, because <laughs> Silvergate, Yes. owns a lot of IP and Correct. you might need to tell a little more about that. Like they own a lot of shows and characters, all like kids yes. based shows. Mm-hmm. Do they, you know, you said they originally bought Octonauts and Peter Rabbit. Do yes. they also create IP? We do. So yeah, maybe tell us a little bit about that and how that works. Yeah, so when the company first started, it, it owned uh, Peter Rabbit and, and Octonauts, and then it went on to create Sunny Day, which is up here, which is a show about hairstyling for preschoolers, which was on Nickelodeon, and then we sold a Hilda to Netflix after that. So Hilda's a little different. This is Sunny Day. Oh, yeah. This was on Nickelodeon, and it was very consumer product heavy, so it's almost like 
Um, the consumer products were baked in mm, to the IP before it went out like to broadcast. Like you got a hair dryer, right? Because okay. hair play is a big play pattern for girls mm. of you know young age. So they baked that right in. Um, and then Hilda came after that. Our first commission by Netflix um, about this young girl. You can the difference between this and Sunny Day are yeah. so dramatic. Like yeah. it's 2D, it's older, it's edgier, it's got this homey feel. Um, it's based off a graphic novel by Luke Pearson. So this one is for an older audience, maybe like eight to eleven on Netflix, whereas mm. Sunny is preschool um, on Nickelodeon. So we started kind of building out these properties and selling the broadcasters and then all of these are just following afterwards like tons of stuff that we're working on are you involved in the creation of these characters at all or is it you're mainly more on the product side so okay so yeah so my main job title is to take the ip and make products out of it and toys and and all that but it's kind of cool that i have been starting to get involved over the past few years uh, with these properties. So like for Octonauts, as we continue to look forward to future seasons, what vehicles are we going to do? Mm -hmm. And do we make vehicles before the show goes to be animated that are inherently have toy play patterns in them right. that we know are going to be on shelf and a kid is going to want them? Mm. Um, but yeah, I'm also like I, I help them with the design logo with like making the, the logos for the shows. I helped design this one. Mm. Um, and also a part of like character design. So for this one, creature this one? cases, and also monkey, you can have Ooh, these both up. These are cool. both going to be on, on Netflix. Um, I helped the team when they were looking at character design. We were looking for illustrators for the characters because the way Silvergate works is we come up with an idea, and then like as far as a show concept, and then hire a writer to write through a script of how like how the world would be set up, what's the tone, the characters. And then we find an artist who we love, mm. who we team up with to create the world of. Mm. So part of that process of finding illustrators that we love and seeing their initial concepts of the characters in the script. So a big part of that. It's been really cool, actually, to kind of go that from toys into now TV and IP creation. I've learned a ton about how shows are made. Too. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a lot of times when you're dealing with like licensed products it's you're definitely kind of taking what's already existing yes but to have your hand in that initial phase must be like really rewarding and awesome and it's just really fun like i i just love doing new stuff every few years mm -hmm. that's why i feel like i feel like i have in a way i'm starting to transition into another job like it's like I'm, I'm still here but i'm now going into um tv production mm. and in fact i can't talk about this necessarily but what it is but I actually pitched an idea for a kid's TV show for young preschool, like mm, two to wow. two, three years old. And I'm in currently in development. Okay. And we're wow. working on making the show. So I, in a couple of years, might you might see created by me. That's, that's amazing. That's kind of cool. That's kind of cool. And then I assume you would pro probably get to do products for that as well? Yes. We were talking to some toy companies actually about partnering before the show is made. Okay. Because you would say... It's going to be on Netflix or whatever it is. or yeah. Nickelode I'm not saying it is. Whatever it is. And then the toy companies will make the product along with you during the process. So the toy hits the shelf when the show is on air. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's so, cool. Yeah, I'm excited. Do you... So, I mean, you, now you're in this SVP role. Are you doing more managerial things? Like, do you have a team that works on the design? Or mm -hmm. do you license the IP out and work with... 
Like you kind of mentioned other toy companies. Like yes. That whole so it's both. Um, it really depends on the project, but I bring in freelancers when I need to, to do things. But I also love working with other companies. Like for Hilda, we have a line of plush with Gund uh, is coming out soon. So I've been working with their team on designing the plush okay. according mm-hmm. to this. But it's both. It's both. It depends on the project. Like I, I bring some people in if I need help with stuff, you know, or yeah. I work with the team. Yeah. So it's it's I feel like I get to do a lot of different things and I'm finding that that's who I am as a designer is working at a small company on like an octopus like tentacles everywhere versus yeah. the designer at Fisher Price 10 years ago who worked on one thing really well like the gear and the system and you got to kind of I feel like find that out but you only find that out by working at different places and yeah. find out where you or maybe you can do both but I find it's one or the other. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Earlier, we were talking about the systems that you developed just like within the Octonauts toys. But now we're talking about not only systems within the toys, but like almost the the show itself is being a a system and everything surrounding it. I mean, it makes sense. Like once you're familiar with one system, you can kind of expand that out. And that's the new way of content. Yeah. Is like, it's everything. It's the show meets the product, meets the app, meets the Instagram, Mm. which you post. Everything is a part of that 360 experience and system. Yeah. And it all has to happen concurrently and at the same time and have the same message. And it's, it's just a new, it's like, because toy design, it's like a new way. Content isn't the new toy design in Mm. a way. Yeah. That's, I feel like the the first example I ever experienced of that was like Toy Story, because like Toy, oh, you know, yes. it's like Toy Story itself is just like, I mean, it's sort of an obvious franchise to then make into toys because mm-hmm. you've already considered them to be toys, right? There you go. Um, that makes a lot of sense. But then I guess like I don't know, maybe Star Wars and things like that before then were. Oh, yeah, like when Star Wars, when Star Wars came out, it was like the movie made nothing and the toys made like everything. Right. Because <laughs> people, what they want to, they want to, kids want to wear that character they love. They want to play with that content. They want to be part of it. It's just my thing is like, I don't want to make characters and shove product down kids' throats mm. just because I know I'll make money at it. Right. I want to make meaningful characters that kids want to have with them that teaches them something that is good. It's not just shoving consumers consumerism yeah. down kids throats because right. that's that's horrible so you have to keep that always keep that right in front of your face yeah so you just remember that that's interesting so like when you're thinking about a show or maybe we can talk about one of these shows i mean you did mention the the sunny day as being like this this hair uh play pattern yes um but like is that so yeah is it is like so for something like Hilda, like, is there a certain type of play pattern that you're trying to get at with the toys or is, are there multiple play patterns? Like, uh, yeah. I, how does that process work? Well, Hilda's a little different because Hilda's older. It's mm. like eight to 11 and we're targeting two kind of audiences actually with that product line. So this, this, this uh, show was based on the graphic novels by Luke Pearson. I don't know if you want to bring those up. They're mm. really beautiful. Yeah. So he's a illustrator from the UK and he, we found these books or rather the producer of the show, Kurt Mueller found these books, put together a pitch to Netflix and sold in the show. Um, but the books already have a huge following of people who love these graphic novels. Yeah. So you've got the people who are like older, maybe like our age, like 30s who love this mm. and are like these diehard followers who love the folklore of the books and all the travel she goes on. This is this is the book version, book version. And then this is um, the TV show version. Mm. Um, 
And then you have the young kids, young girls or whoever, boys, who really love Hilda now on Netflix. Yeah. And it's trying to balance out the product so that both mm. people or different types of people would buy That's interesting. that same product. Because I think, you know, you're starting to get into like more designer toys, something you'd sit on your desk. Exactly. For... It's that balance of designer right. toy that people like us would buy because we love right. the look of it, the art of it, whatever, the comic. Yeah. And then young girls who are going to walk by don't know Hilda. See her next to Pusheen, Egretsuko, Hello Kitty, right. and pick her up because she has blue hair and go, she has blue hair. Because right. that's what they <laughs> usually do. And love her and want to buy all these fantastical creatures like her deer fox twig, Woodman, um, that, that show up in the show. So it's like balancing those two consumers huh. as one line. Yeah, which, that's a, a fun a product. Yeah. That's so cool. So yeah, you've got a you've got your own you've got your own show in the works now and Oh yeah. <laughs> Look at me. <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah. So so I mean, I guess like maybe we're 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 right up against the end here of the of the it's interview the and so right up I mean, against it. The thing that we always like to ask is like and it seems like there's a lot of exciting things to look forward to, but like, what are you most excited about? Is it, is it the new show or is there anything broader in, in design itself or in toy design that you, that's got you really excited lately? Anything inspiring? Yeah. Like, well, I'm really excited to make my own show because yeah. that just sounds insane. I don't <laughs> right. even know what that entails, but I'm going to ride the wave how and I'm going to like, do it. Work would work on a show, like would work on a show like Hilda, like how many, how many people? A lot. Yeah. I mean, the team internally here is like, I don't know, like five or six people. And then we have an animation studio that does it all. So we, yeah. we hire our animation out. Yeah. But that's what I'm most looking forward to in the future. But as far as like design and inspiring, um, after I listened to one of your podcasts, I stumbled into something else. And I this one philosopher, I forget her name, but she was talking about the farm is the future. Mm. Okay, so the whole idea of like everything that we do and everything, consumerism. Okay, mm -hmm. so we make things. That's what we do as yeah. designers. But there's something about becoming anti-consumery, mm. consumery, consumerish, which really is interesting to me. Um, but when you are consuming, being very thoughtful about it, mm. having a purpose to it, having a reason, not just buying it and putting it in a landfill two years later. I can't believe I'm saying this as a product designer. It's like, <laughs> but it's like we need to like, we need to think about what we're buying and having to be meaningful every time, what materials, what are we, what, you know, what impact on the environment? Like that is very important in product design moving forward. I think a lot of people say this now, but I feel like even more so with climate change and everything that's happening, like how much are we consuming and why? Mm -hmm. And then this whole idea of like the farm is the future. So like thinking about like everything we need comes from the farm, mm -hmm. our right. food, our clothing, the things we use, like whatever. So kind of like looking into like the life cycle of products, um, why we use what we use. Just as a designer, I'm very interested in dabbling in that more, seeing how I can add to the impact of less impact, mm -hmm. which is crazy because I've been consuming creating things to consume for so long, it's made me really reflect yeah. mm. on how we move forward as designers. So it's something yeah. I think about a lot. Yeah. I, would, I think everybody should. Yeah, I mean, I, I gave this advice to a group of students and I feel like in order to be in that place to make those kind of decisions and those kind of like ethical decisions, sometimes you have to go this route where you're just like, yeah, you might be creating a lot of product 
and doing things that maybe on on the surface don't seem like they're they're beneficial or they're you know whatever like you might have ethical hang-ups about it but but i feel like what you need to do and what you've certainly done is you have like become a really strong well-rounded designer to the point where you're able to like come into something and be like like look at what i've demonstrated that i can do like like and who wouldn't respect that and respect your opinion at mm -hmm. that point it's like mm -hmm. when you're fresh out of school like to it's get hard. to really get hard. that to like change the world sort of mentality to like get people to listen to you that's really hard you but have to do the work first yeah. i guess and be a part of the problem to be the solution I well guess. yeah i mean i you know my take on it and obviously this could be like three podcasts all i love this. this is the best podcast ever but you know i, I think no matter where you are in your career, whether you're an intern or whether you're high up in in the you know the ranks, you do have some power. You know, yeah. an intern still has some power to like yeah. you know create a fillet or something or or take away some material. Mm -hmm. Right, it's true. I think as long as you're doing the best you can right. with the power you have, that's that's really with, with how the I see. Eye it. to making a good change and a difference. Of course, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. But no, that, I mean the whole farm idea is really exciting too. Like. I'll I know, send you I know the Ka podcast. I know Kanye is starting his farm out. Oh Miami, yeah, you know it's gonna be. It's gonna be. A I'm whole thing. sure that it's gonna have just sneakers growing out of the ground. Like, <laughs> like, what is he gonna do? You know what? You know what? I'm wrong, Kanye. Good for you. You make it. You yeah. make it. And Kim's gonna be a lawyer. Yeah, I, I mean, wait, yeah. is my podcast she, ending with Kanye she's and gotten, Kim? Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> this is where we cut. Uh, <laughs> she's gotten like people out of jail. Like, like in the past couple of she's years, she's doing it right now. Yeah. yeah, she's yeah, she's gotten. I don't. I feel like she's gotten like people off death row and stuff. Yeah. Well, she's, she, that's the thing is, the, is she was horrible at first. Yeah. And now she's gonna do good. Yeah. So maybe that's part of this whole the whole cycle. The cycle. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. I I I'm I'm right on board with the whole like I I see like it being the farm the farm blacksmith like combo. Is like eventually things because manufacturing eventually will be localized again. I hope so. A, as as far as I can tell. I hope so. Yeah, three D printers, things like that. And uh, and so I think like things are gonna come a lot more closer to home, like pretty soon. And then industrial designers like we're gonna be we're gonna be those local blacks blacksmiths again. It all comes full circle. Yeah. Sometimes you have to go real, real, real dark to get back to the light, <laughs> i.e. Trump. <laughs> i.e. Bernie. I said it. I'm a Bernie girl. Um, let's not end this politically, but yeah, I, that's what I that's what I hope and that's what I'm working towards doing. Sweet. Yep. That's exciting. Yeah. Exciting future. Yeah. Well, well, Amy, thanks again. It was amazing having I had a fun time. Yeah. And if anyone ever wants to ask me questions, they just email me. I'm cool. Whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we can link to your email. Is there any other things you would like to promote? Maybe a website? Obviously, you no, can look up. No, I don't promote anything for <laughs> <Okay>. anybody. <laughs> so, they got enough. They're fine. Okay. We'll, we'll post pictures and Thank links you. and everything in the comments. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, thanks again, Amy. It was, it was a, lot, a lot of fun. Yay. Appreciate your time. <laughs> Have fun. Enjoy your life. <laughs> All right, as always, I'm at Nick P. Baker. I'm at I Draw and Receipts. Peace. Later.